All right, well, we're continuing on with the Psalm series. We're going to be getting into Psalm 90. I'm actually going to get right into it because I have my friend, uh, Paige Wells, is going to be sharing also. Time is slipping away from us as, we, as I speak, and so I want to get really right to it. We're going to be looking at Psalm 90. This is a psalm by Moses, oldest psalm of all the psalms. Moses says, speaking to God, he says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever, you have formed the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it passed, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. When uh, I was growing up, I, I wanted nothing more than to be a success in the military. And I remember one of the phrases that always stuck with me in, from the movie, uh, The Gladiator. But uh, Russell Crowe, he's the general, and it's in the beginning, and he's talking to other leaders, and they're getting ready to charge in the field of battle. And he says this phrase that's always stuck with me. He says, what you do today will be echoed throughout eternity. And that really it just brought something out within my soul. I was like, Yes! Life was made to matter. It was made to ripple out. What we do impacts life. It's serious. It's meant to be intentional. It matters. And for me, going to war, being successful in combat, doing those things, being a successful leader, that was how I would make life matter. Life would be important. Life would make sense. Life would be meaningful. It would be purposeful. And many of you here, we all tend to have a category of what makes life matter, what makes life meaningful. And maybe it's having a big family, 
And there's many days that you and your spouse will live and many days that your own kids will live long and prosperous and healthy and, and you just get to live a long, healthy, awesome life. Or maybe it's having really nice things or being very, growing a successful business and not worrying about failing in business but, but it being plentiful and it even being blessing to many people. And that is when life is meaningful. We all have our categories. What makes life matter? What makes life meaningful? We all have different things we think about. And when I was meditating and reading this psalm for this week, I really believe this psalm is trying to communicate to us loud and clear that we are to be very intentional with our days. Life really does matter. There is to be an urgency. In fact, I think verse 12 in Psalm 90 is the key verse in this psalm. When Moses gets to this point and he's praying to God, he says, Oh God, teach us to number our days that we may gain or get a heart of wisdom. And he's saying there, God, help me make every day count. Let my life matter. Not just in general, but every day. Let every day count. See, we tend to count our life by years. Some of you here, you're 20 years old. Others of you are 40 years old. And others, less of you are 60 years old. And, 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 and we tend to count our, our life by years. And what the psalm is doing here, it's having us think about, calling us to think about our life by days. So if you're like in your early t- 20s, you're a little over 7,000 days old. If you're in your early 40s, you're a little over 14,000 days old. If you're in your early 60s, you're a little over 21,000 days old. That's intentionality. Days. Every day matters. And it's to be filled with urgency and this concern. Oh, God, let me not waste this day. But what's important? is that God made each and every one of us not to waste one day of our life. And it doesn't matter if you're young and it it seems like you have your whole life ahead of you, or if you're old and it seems like you got most of it behind you. It's just every day counts. Today counts. It has great, it's supposed to have great intentionality. And what Moses is talking about, though, when he's talking about and thinking about intentionality and stewardship of a day, he's not thinking ultimately about productivity and efficiency versus laziness, which is where I'll tend to go. But to gain a wisdom, a heart of wisdom with being intentional about every day is to see that the most important thing about every day is God is here and he's our refuge and we're to seek intimacy with him. You see, we're all made for greatness in this desire to echo through eternity and see something happen in our life. But the point of every day and seeking intentionality every day is to seek intimacy with God. It's to seek relationship with God. That's the wisest way to live life. The fool doesn't consider God. The fool checks out. Even a day of checking out and not considering God is to be foolish. And Moses, some of us know the context of his story, has learned this through pain and suffering. 
him and his people were miraculously rescued out of Egypt, and they got to this amazing, great start. The sea opened up for them. The enemy got wiped out. It's just this beautiful, amazing start. They get to go to the promised land and be with God and worship him. And then all of a sudden, right when they're there, they go their own way. They reject God's way. And that moment led to 40 years circling around in the desert and in the wilderness. 40 years. Moses had to see a whole generation of his people die off. To eventually, including his own brother and sister, and then eventually himself. He didn't even get to go to the promised land. Can you imagine the feeling and the weight of like, man, did we squander our life? Did we waste our time? The wrestling Moses must have had with that. I mean, I, I get devastated if I have a 12-hour hiccup in my day. Uh, this, this week was moving week for me. We, me and Lisa moved uh, basically several blocks um, from where we're currently living. And I had this genius plan. I thought it was a genius plan uh, right before moving day to just get stuff in order. I had this, a bunch of stuff I had to take to the waste management facility to just throw away. And I wanted to then come back home and, and then fill it up with stuff from my house and put it into the new house and then get back. So that moving day, we got, we got a good start. And after I did all this hard work with my buddy over here, trying to fill up the U-Haul truck, right at the end of it, I'm all pumped, everything's getting on time, and then all of a sudden we find out the waste facility management is closed, and I can't do it. And so now I got all this stuff filled in the U-Haul truck, and I'm way behind time. And, what, you know, it's like you guys might be sitting there like, eh, it's not that big of a deal. But for some reason in that moment, I just got sideways, man, for, for like 12 hours. Like, what the? I had this planned out. Man, I was so frustrated, so frustrated. Wasted my time. Man, if I could just be at multiple places at one time. Man, if I would have just done this earlier, if I would have just done that earlier. Man, the frustration we can get with just little hiccups. But I've had bigger things, too, that have been frustrating and hurtful when I think about some regrets in my life. I've had times, I don't know if you've ever had this, like, man, why, I wish I would have believed in Jesus earlier. I'd be so much further along than I am now. Why did I waste all those years? What was I doing? I made it all about the military. And not that the military is bad. Not that wanting to be a successful military leader is bad. It's great. Just like starting a business and being, wanting to be successful in the military, or in the business world. It's great. These things are great. But I made it all about that stuff. Why? Why? I've had regret there. I've had really painful regret recently looking at some photos of me and my wife in our earlier years when we were dating or just newly married. And it, it's grieved me thinking about some of the ways that I was so immature in how I pursued her and lack thereof. I weep over that stuff. God, why? What was wrong with me? Why couldn't I just get it together? The pain, sin, brings real consequences and hurt. I think about my last five years of leadership here in this church, especially over the last three months. I'm like, why didn't we do this or why didn't we do that? Oh, why, God? Wasting my life, God. You guys ever feel that? Like you're just squandering time just going by and you're like, man, why can't I just get it together? I've been feeling a lot like that this week. 
really, I'm going sideways over a 12-hour hiccup? What is, what, man. The consequences of our sin, it's real, it's painful, but I just want to say, like, if you're in that place with me, there's hope today because God is our, our refuge and he's walking out a plan that is so much bigger and a purpose so much higher than our ways. In the, in the first two verses, Moses, I loved how he, even though he has this crazy context of 40 years in the wilderness, he starts off with saying, Lord, talking directly to our God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place all the generations. Isn't that fascinating? No matter where or what they're going through, God's presence. He's saying, that's what matters. Whether enslaved in Egypt, whether not knowing what the heck is going on when the promised land is right there and we're just staying in the wilderness for 40 years, it's God's presence. He is our home. He is our sanctuary. He is our safe place. He is our refuge. And why that matters most is because he's from everlasting to everlasting. You see, he's so much bigger than us. There's no beginning and there's no end to God. That means he's eternal. And you see, God wants to spend all of eternity intimately involved with, guess who? You. With us. And that eternal perspective needs to break into our everyday, today life. Because it's mind-boggling. It needs to break into our regrets. It needs to break into our hurts. It needs to break into our fears. Our desires to control. Our desire to make life more efficient. The God who want, of eternity wants to be with you wants to be with us. Famous Jonathan Edwards quote that I love, he said this, Lord, stamp eternity on my eyeballs. We're so prone to miss the reality of the eternal one right in front of our face. And if you follow Jesus right inside of you. It's easy to get myopic and miss God's presence. Interruptions, hiccups. It's just, it's easy to miss him. God, may you, we not let efficiency, may we not let seeking comfort, may we not let any of these things get in the way of seeing you as our refuge. Moses goes on with verses 3 to 6. And he gives these four analogies. I'm just going to touch on one right now for the sake of time. That really stood out to me. But they're all mind-blowing. You could just sit with one at a time every day for the next four days. I encourage you to do it and just, like, let it sink in. But these analogies are about the shortness of our life and how frail we are and how sovereign and big God is. And we need that. But when the, one of the analogies that really stuck out to me is you, we, that God sweeps them away as with a flood. My time in Iraq, they had these big riverbeds called wadis. They're massive. And it is an insane thing when a flood comes through that bad boy, how fast everything gets wiped out like that. The quickness of our life is 
so much quicker than we realize. It's like a snap of the finger. A thousand years, it's like, to God, it's like, oh yeah, that thing that happened yesterday. Wow. Our life is short and God is sovereign over it. Moses saw a ton of death, a whole generation. So you just feel that when he's writing this. Psalm 139, 16, it says, In your book were written, God, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. You see, God has predetermined all of our days. We have been allotted a certain amount of time. It's different for each of us. We don't even know. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. We all have a determined amount of days God has set forth. And that needs to speak to us and say, wow, life, our day right now, today, it's precious. We don't know how much time we, you have no idea how much time you have. God does. You don't. Oh, God, make us be intentional. Be intentional with the one God who holds your life, our life in his hands. You see, our life is part of a bigger story. We're so quick to look for immediate results. I do that all the time. And the shortness and frailty of our life, though, compared to the greatness of God's sovereignty, is supposed to heighten our sense of value and urgency of each day. Not merely to hurry up and get stuff done, but it's every day is meant to get us deeper into loving and knowing our God and Savior. Second Peter 3.8 says this, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Our life is part of a bigger story. The day isn't merely about getting stuff done or getting away with stuff. It's each day God is up to something that is building into eternity. If you're being complacent with your time, however young you are, old you are, be careful. What you even do today builds into the future. And we have no idea the things that are happening around us, what God is doing in and through it. Seeds being planted, people coming to faith through that that you never even know. There's just so much God's doing. We have no idea. God is up to stuff even when we can't see it. Paul said for him to live as Christ and to die is gain. I've been sitting with that for several months, that phrase, to live as Christ and to die is gain. And I've in the past, tend to be more excited about to die as gain because it's, it's finished. You get to see him, who we all desire and long for, and it's, and it's all done. But to live is Christ. You ever sat with that? To live is Christ. And what Paul was saying there, the worth and value of one's life is measured by being in Jesus and doing everything you do with Jesus, the living Lord who's alive and with us today. And that's why he said also around that same passage, it is better for you that I stay, but it's good for me that I go. It's good for him that he goes because he's done with sin, not having to worry about it and gets to be with Jesus. But it's good for you because when you are in Christ and living intentionally for him, you live for the sake of others. 
Your life is wrapped up in servitude because of the one who laid down his life for you. The stuff we do in Christ, that's what goes on to eternity because of what Christ has done in our place. And God cares so much for us that he'll discipline us when we are acting foolishly, when we're going about our days not giving a thought about him. Verses 7 through 10, it talks about God's wrath. And just to sum that up, Moses knows the reason why they're doing circles in the wilderness. It ultimately... is the work of God keeping Israel in the wilderness. Moses knows that God is disciplining them, that God cares so much for us that he will do whatever it takes to wake us up and to get rid of sin and our stupor of following sin and going our own ways and wasting our days to say, look at me, I am your refuge, I am your hope. We tend to think life can be about going from A to B, especially if it's the most efficient and most comfortable way possible or to avoid traumatic situations. But God cares about our sin. God cares about changing us from the inside out, and he'll do whatever it takes. He'll use suffering. He'll use the general brokenness and unhealth of our world, and he'll even take the the particular sins and struggles that we have, and he will remind us that he is our home, he is our refuge, he'll use whatever it takes. Some of my greatest struggles have led to great intimacy with God. When I said I thought the greatest thing for me to be one day was be successful in the military, like one of the greatest things he did for me is have, I, when I experienced great injury where I was laid up for six months, And then I also, around that same time, lost a good buddy in the military. God used those crazy things that put me upside down and brought me to him. He used that stuff to help me bring me to actually faith. Even now as a believer, there's times I've been super sick and super pained by just ailments, like body ailments. I've had vertigo for a month one time. It was just horrible. I was, half the time I was in bed, I couldn't get out. And the kind of, teaching and intimacy and humbling he brought me through. That was one, some of the greatest I've ever gone through. And it, I th- it breaks down the facade and it gets down to the soul. And we finally get real with God and we see who he really is. God uses that stuff. He's so good. He's a good dad that disciplines us. He disciplines out of love. He wants us to, to know him. He wants us to see that what matters in your day is your time with him and your intimacy with him. But we can also harden our hearts when, we, when we're in struggle. So keep in mind the severity of the discipline. That's what Moses is trying to say here. Don't harden your heart. If you're walking around the wilderness, if you're in pain and you're struggling, he then goes to this wonderful prayer from verses 13 to 17. Because we all tend to squander our days. That's the reality. We can't get out of that. He says, return, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, how long? It takes time. It takes a lot of time. We 
as Christians, we celebrate often, we're reminded that God sent his son to die for our sins and that God is merciful and that he loves us and his grace is poured out on us. We have God through grace, not through our works. It's amazing, the forgiveness of God. It is so amazing. But there's times that it takes some time to actually enjoy what we have in him because of our sin or the sins of the world. And it's painful, and you get that here. Return, O oh Lord, how long? It takes time. And there's times this week I just want God to kind of just come back and do away with my sinful ways and the sinful ways of others and just take me home. Romans 8 says, we have this spirit within us that groans, awaiting the redemption of our bodies. And sometimes we're like, God, how long? Come and just make an end of this. I don't want to hurt others. I don't, I'm, I'm tired of my sin. I'm tired of wasting my life. Can you just come and do away with this? And God is so gracious and patient in wanting that intimacy for us just to bear our souls to him. And I love this prayer, too, how he says, have mercy on us. Have pity on your servants. Have mercy on us. We can go to God and say, God, have mercy on us. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we've seen evil. God's grace is sufficient. One day, we're never going to be burned by sin and brokenness. One day. And today, he can pour out his joy in us and give us hope and give us love in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain. God wants to bring joy in our life. God wants to basically take our hand and put it in his hand and do work for him that will echo into eternity. That's, what, that's where he's landing. God, have favor on us. God, have mercy on us. And how much more we who have Christ now, we get to cry out to God, God, have mercy. God, have favor. You sent your son to die for our sins. Be merciful to me in my state of weakness and brokenness. Bless the work of my hands for your name's sake. God wants to make us glad. Jesus said in John 15, 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you, that you, your joy may be full. Jesus came to give us his joy and his joy to be in us. There's this discipline and there's suffering because God wants us to get through and take, strip away the, the stuff, the crap, the mess that's getting in the way of having this wonderful intimacy where we're getting filled with this joy and it's getting poured out with these gifts. He's given us gifts. He's given you a maze. Guys, this room is filled with tons of skills and gifts. And God wants to see an abundance amount of flourishing, but not at the cost of your soul. Not at the cost of you seeing something else as a refuge other than him. And he'll do whatever it takes to strip away anything, get in the way of entry. And thanks be to God that he would do that. God, would you please, I, I mean, I pray that sometimes. There's fear and trembling in this prayer. But man, I hope that this would be your prayer too. Oh, God, strip away anything, get in the way. Do whatever it takes so that my heart would not wander from seeking your refuge. That even today, God, would today, even after I'm done preaching and I go, God, would you not let me get caught up in the things of the world? Would you let my heart run to you, run to grace, run to forgiveness, run to love, run to guidance? I think about that in, in, in the world of social media, in Facebook, how often 
Do we read a post before we make a post and just say, God, in fear and trembling, our ways are not your ways. God, you're so big. What? God, what is it? How do you want me to respond? Here are my emotions. Here are my things. But let me not deviate from what you want because you're here. You're with us and you want to do something. What is it that you want? How often do we even do that? God's presence is real. As I invite my, my sister up, Paige, I, I, I'd love to have you come up. I invited her up today to come share uh, from, from her story because I think some of the things that can tend to derail us or take us out, at least I know for that for me personally, is when we go through suffering or we go through great trauma or pain, I think the enemy sometimes can really use that to really move us away from God. And, and even get to a place of uh, pay, just certain regret, certain things that just, it, God's over here and, and, and I'm alone. And uh, my sister here is actually my good friend. I've known her for, I don't know how many years now, but a lot of years. Yeah, one of my first friends, he, you and the Vandersells were our first friends when we came to Soma Tacoma. And um, a couple years ago, went through, well, I'm actually not going to get into it. I'm about to tell what you're about to share. But um, yeah, I'm going to pray. You want me to pray for you, and then you'll share. All right, Father, I thank you for my sister here. Lord, would you just speak through her right now? This is a story that is glorifying to you and uh, much needed for us as a church family. So open our hearts to hear. Um, lead us to you, Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen.